Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, we have a very, very uh, interesting uh, episode for you today. An interesting tale, I was going to say, but it's unfortunately, unfortunately, it's a true tale. Um, it's today's show is called Whistleblower Whistleblower Teacher Exposes Corruption in New York City Schools. Now, this is particularly near and dear to my heart, one, because of the issues that I have been ranting about for quite a while now, but also because I uh, was born and raised in New York City, and I went through New York City schools. <laughs> and Cindy, I'm like, well, let me introduce my guest. My, my guest, the whistleblower, is Cindy Gross. She is a former teacher in Queens, New York, and she is a former congressional candidate. She's currently, she currently hosts Cindy's Celebrity Corner, which airs in New York, and it's also a podcast. And Cindy, I'm really looking forward to talking with you because, as I was just going to say, um, since you were teaching in Queens, you might, you might be familiar with these schools. I went to PS214 in Flushing, and, um, and Junior High School 185, they're all in Flushing, Junior High School 185, and then Flushing High School. So um, I am a product, of course, when I went. Uh, it is not was not the same as it is today. I, I had a decent education and uh, and um, not really not to say anything. Everything was perfect, but certainly it, you cannot compare it to what's going on today. So why don't you tell us your story? Um, first of all, what start with why you decided to become a teacher in the first place. Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on the show. And you asked a lot of questions in that. So why yes, did I become I, a teacher in the first place? You, you um, went, why did you, yes, right. Okay, so first, why did I become a teacher? First of all, there is nothing more gratifying than for me than working with children, especially after I became a mother. And I always, in whatever career I'm in, whether or not I'm in the radio or in politics or uh, an activist on behalf of Jewish causes, I always gravitate and young people gravitate to me because they are the future. And if we don't instill good values and facts of our history in our future, then we will never have it. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So, and you asked um, me that Queens. Yes. Did you do you recognize any of those schools? Two PS two fourteen one eighty five, and of course Flushing High School. Okay, so Flushing is a different area than the part of Queens that I taught in, but of course mm-hmm. we know Flushing and Flushing, New York, is a little bit like a little piece of the United States because really there are so many uh, representations of people from different backgrounds and ages, different school choices, both public and private, 
it's, it's probably very different, but yet very similar to what you grew up in. Well, not really. Um, uh, I mean, I mean, not to say that there weren't people from different ethnic backgrounds, but you know, I look at, uh, I read things about flushing, and I watch things about flushing, and that is not the flushing that I grew up in. Um, but it was much more. Uh, it was a little more um, Norman Rockwell when I was growing up. <laughs> um, so, so okay, so so when did you go, to, you said you wanted to be, you realized when you had your own child in particular that you wanted to be a teacher. So did you, did you um, study to be a teacher, I mean, in the normal, like right after high school or when, or later in life? No, I became, I, I have my master's degree uh, I, in um, uh, early education, early childhood education and elementary education a little bit later on, but I quickly uh, enjoyed it, and within the first few years that I was teaching, I actually, because you hear so much about testing and testing and standards and evaluations based on testing, I was actually one of four teachers within Queens that won an award for testing third grade students, Uh, and I particularly Mm -hmm. enjoyed uh, teaching children that wanted to learn and wanted to learn about uh, different different people and learn to get along together, and I found that very fascinating. Hmm. Okay. So, So what grades did you teach? I taught basically anything from second... And third grade, those were two I taught the most up until sixth grade. And then uh, I also taught some cluster classes. Uh, But when you talk about the schools that I taught in, in the district I taught in, uh, those schools were uh, 20 years ago. I mean, everybody's talking about critical race theory and what's going on in schools today and parents finding out about the curriculum and the scandals. Well, these schools had this all going on two decades ago, and I became very aware of all the violations of the Chancellor's Regulations, which is part of the Public School Department of Education, the protocols that were not followed in regards to the teachers' unions, and various other um, places, whether it's state or federal uh, regulations in regards to public school education. So, okay, so take us on this journey from when you first started. I know that it's really interesting to hear um, that we, we all think this is new. You know, we're all up in, well, not everybody's up in arms. I'm up in arms about it. But, uh, and a lot of people in New York are parents. But um, so it's so interesting to hear that really this was happening 20 years ago. So tell us about how you first started getting um, concerned about what was happening in the schools. First of all, the most obvious was schools were not a safe environment. And in any education class, you were taught that uh, a most comfortable, eased learning environment is the most comfortable and successful for students and teachers of any age in any background. And that was not going on. We had situations in my building. There was a gun hit in. Uh, various other kinds of weapons. 
there was bullying, uh, and things were not being reported accurately, recorded accurately, disciplinary actions were being ignored, and then further on, investigations were not being followed up, and there were a lot of, lack of a better word, what seemed to be cover-ups to protect certain staff members, and it didn't matter if they were hurting students and or parents or even neighbors who were near the school. That was the first very obvious one. These were not safe environments. Hmm. Okay. The second thing we did notice was that whether or not you want to call it common core or multiculturalism or critical race theory, there was a lot of bias. There was a lot of bias in lessons. There was a lot of bias in the hiring and firing of staff members. Uh, protocols that were supposed to be followed in regard to tenure were not being filed correctly in seniority positions. And we noticed certain things going on in the school. Going back to about 2004-2005, at a September staff meeting, a principal got up and said to the entire staff, most of the staff there were minorities, it's because of the Jewish holidays that we cannot start our math and reading lessons on time. And people were in shock. Can you imagine if that went on today? (laughs) And it was talked about Black Lives Matter. No, but people were in shock that he was saying it blatantly that it was because of the Jewish holidays or people were in shock that they were uh, actually changing something because of the Jewish holidays? No, that this was, that the Jewish holidays were the cause of the, the failure to start lessons on time. When people know that regardless of whether, if, can you imagine if they said it's because of Martin Luther King's birthday that we can't start, uh, our math and reading lessons, you would uh-huh, have uh-huh. every front page of the newspaper, CNN, ABC, it would make headlines everywhere. But this was accepted. It was going on in school after school. And, it, you know, remarks were made. Uh, lessons were being taught that were inappropriate. Uh, and I saw a lot of things going on. In 2006, our principal was arrested and for stealing money from another government agency. And basically she came back the year after and continued her job. In huh. what other field of, of work <laughs> did that ever happen? Hmm. Yeah, very, not setting a very good example for the kids, right? <laughs> Correct. And... In 2006, because I was known as the person to go to, someone gave to me a business email. There was a four-page email that came out that was started by one of the black women principals in District 29 and shared throughout the district and with, throughout the New York City Department of Education with other teachers, superintendents, uh, any kind of staff members, and they, and it said in it clearly, white women are docile, white women are easy. I took that directly to Randy Weingarten, who was then the president of NYSET, 
and I mean, I'm sorry, the United Federation of Teachers and tied to NYSIT, which was like the New York uh, Teachers Union, have a uh-huh. in an email to me. Where did I get this? Seen it many times. And then left it alone. Like it was, my, like she seen this, you know, thought this was normal and okay. But then again, it's the same Randy yeah. Weingarten who's pushing the kind of uh, lesson she's pushing now. She doesn't call a critical race theory, but she's not going to punish anybody and she's going to pay for people, uh, you know, their legal fees if they are, you know, intimidated or retaliated against the teaching critical race theory. So it goes back years and so decades. I don't, yes, yes. So she was already, um, you know, having these sort of inappropriate... Well, where does this come from? And what what is what is wrong with her? Why um why is she like this? Do you, do do you know her personally? I've met her. Uh, I've had extensive conversations with her at a time. You know, through emails, particularly. I actually brought her not only to my school where we try to fix the safety issue, but it didn't really work. But I had other staff members from my district come and meet her, and she basically ignored everybody. And these were the people that paid the dues in this union. So she was one big part of the issue. Then there were other issues going on. We had, I actually was a whistleblower in regard to a very questionable nonprofit organization that was supposed to help children. Well, Two years after I left the Department of Education, the person who was running it out of my school building was arrested and embezzled $85,000 out of that. Now, that was going on for years, and it was tied to state senators and other local elected officials, which leads Hmm. people to question, what are the connections between the Department of Education, the teachers' unions, and local elected officials. Many of them happen to be, because it's a blue state in New York, and you could say the same thing probably in Chicago, L.A., Baltimore, I remember, where Freddie Greatest was going on, all minority, many of them women, hurting the minority families in the schools. Her, what was that word, hurting or hurting? Hurting. You know, th- their work was not helping the students they were supposed to be helping. These minority teachers were not helping the students. Correct. They also, if parents came up to schools, and and we have, you know, discussions of it now, in fact, uh, it came up again recently, when parents go up to complain whether or not they go through 311 to the Department of Education or directly to the schools, to their supervisors, they are often told uh, you can leave the building, you have the choice, make an emergency transfer, take your kids out of the public schools, and uh, they are intimidated because they are making complaints. Hmm. So why, how, so, I mean, that's interesting that's what you were saying about that the Department of Education and the teachers' union and um, uh, the politicians have, I mean, and they formed kind of a, what, a connection, <laughs> and that is how all of these horrible things are happening? 
Well, before COVID, they were going on because in New York, every day they would come. I mean, the chancellor at the time actually had a tweet against the white parents on the Upper West Side. Uh, I mean, there, so there what, were I problems quite, in Flushing. Wait, I, I didn't, wait, I didn't quite understand that. Who had a what on the... Could you start the that former, again? The former Who? chancellor of the New York... The former chancellor of the New York City okay. Department of Education. Yes. The school's chancellor. Tweeted out a remark very negative about the white parents on the Upper West Side. And Uh that's his job. Uh And in Flushing, before COVID, there are are a a lot of Asian-American students that are in the schools and doing well. They were being um, intimidated and harassed and... uh, they were singled out for their achievements merit-wise to end the Talent and Gifted program. And there were a lot of complaints and a lot of protests pre-COVID about that. So this is, you know, maybe critical race theory. Now it's making headlines and parents are going to, to um, school board meetings. But like I said, it's just a different label about the failures in public school. Huh. Well, that's, uh, okay, this is the perfect place to end this segment. Um, uh, not uh, When we come back, we'll talk more about this and what is causing it and uh, ultimately what, well, actually, I, what I, before we get more into that, into the issues, I want to hear more about your story, you know, you, you're being the whistleblower and what happened to you and so on. So we're talking with Cindy Gross. And we will um, come back in uh, just a minute, so stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host. We're talking today about education in the um, New York schools, which have um, really changed quite a bit and uh, not for the better. Um, My guest is Cindy Gross. She's a former teacher in Queens, New York. She's also a former congressional candidate, and uh, she also hosts Cindy's Celebrity Corner, which is a New York-based radio and podcast show. So, Cindy, um, now we're going into, she is the whistleblower, (laughs) um, and we are talking about her story, which will be an illustration, basically, of what has happened to the New York schools. So go ahead. Well, thank you very much. And you... um, emphasized how you you went to school and it was public schools were totally different. In the past 20 to 30 years, there's been a drastic change in public schools across the country. So when people talk about their memories and their fun days and they talk about all the uh, great memories, it really was something that has been gone for at least a couple of decades. So it got to the point that I was witnessing so many violations in regards to uh, merit academics and safety, as I said, and mandated reporting, which is really key because mandating reporting is not only just a school rule, but it happens to be a state and federal. If you have any suspicion of neglect with a child uh, or abuse of a child, that you must report it. And that reports are followed mm-hmm. up in, in investigations are done accurately. So when I saw what was going on, and I'm not somebody that's shy or afraid. I'm very factual, you know, fact-based oriented. And I got my evidence, had my witnesses. I went as high as, at that point, it was Mayor Bloomberg, his assistant. And I was promised in an email that I still have whistleblower protection, which means that I would have no retaliation for reporting what I saw and heard and that I would have my confidentiality kept so that I would never have any kind of threats against me. Well, in true form of failure, they failed on both and broke the laws. And they actually, and we have this in a transcript that teachers and the principals were giving out my name to parents that uh, I called ACS on because there was some suspicion of abuse and neglect, and those parents threatened me. 
And there was also retaliation for everything I did, whether or not it was verbal threats or making up fake charges against me, uh, intimidating staff members if they befriended me. It was really like a horror show. There's no way to put it. So after going twice to the EEOC and having nothing done, which is a lot of people tell you that's what happens, and after going to the teachers' union for years and instead of getting their help, they started threatening me because I was making them look bad. And then, of course, my administration, I was exposing everything. So they decided that they were going to just retaliate against me and punish me and, and humiliate me in public with students, with parents, and with coworkers. So I finally decided I was going to sue them, and we had a whole slew of charges for many years, you know, out, you know, in my paperwork. And the New York Post, around March 1st, 2011, uh, published that I filed a lawsuit, and in it, they claim one of my major complaints was that my principal a student, a second grade boy, on his lower uh, bottom. And that, wait, wait, sorry. Wait, wait, that wait, wait, wait a second. Cindy, the, the complaint that they mentioned was that your principal did what? Slap a boy on his bottom. Punished hmm. him. You know, she spanked uh, him. Yes, okay. And that and that's, that is against school regulations and others as well. Anyway, once that came out and everybody heard about it, uh, the 11 days later, which is like never, ever heard of, a letter was sent from the principal and the PTA president to four local elected officials about me. Huh. This is unheard of. It turns out later today, I can honestly say that letter was sent to a superintendent who was fired in 2017 and arrested for sexual misconduct with female staff and was cc'd to four local elected officials, three who either were in jail, are in jail, and the fourth one has been under investigation. So... You talk about an excellent piece of paper that ties all of this together. And six months later, the retaliation came when they filed charges against me for termination that I refused to cooperate with staff. How could I, ref- how could I cooperate with staff when they were breaking the law? How could I cooperate with staff when they were putting children in harm's way? How could I cooperate with staff that was uh, uh, doing social promotion instead of promotion by merit? How could I cooperate with staff that were not following the guidelines of special services through IEPs and guidance, et cetera, which is also state and federal laws uh, tied to that? I wasn't going to break the law on on behalf of a principal who already got arrested once. And there were questions about the other staff members there. Well, they brought on one of the longest, what they call 3020 arbitration hearings. And the DOE was so determined to get rid of me, they paid for a transcript. So we had everything documented. 
They brought in a load of witnesses. Their witnesses confirmed everything I said, that the students were being hit. The student that the principal slapped came in and cried to the arbitrator that she did slap him. And parents uh-huh. came in that that assistant principal never any uh, formal investigation despite multiple complaints. And they brought in people from ACS and from Office of Investigations, and everybody said the same thing under oath, that reports were not filed accurately and that they were deliberately uh, tampered with, to the point that the, the principal attempted in writing to change her testimony, and, and the lawyers from the Department of Education brought that to our attention. And despite everything, because the arbitrator gets paid by the Department of Education and the teachers' union, terminated me, which was an illegal termination because the whole retaliation, the whole hearing was a retaliation. And right. allowed, he, actually, he actually left afterwards because he wasn't happy. He made six figures doing nothing and left. He wasn't happy with his salary. And the principal... There were other issues going on with the principal. In 2009, she actually wrote on a, a school community cal- calendar, CP time is not accepted here. And many people complained about it. And the old thing she had, she got a letter in her file from the superintendent. Can you imagine me as a white Jewish woman writing on a calendar, CP time is not accepted here? Do you realize what would happen to me? My face would have been yes. on the cover of the Daily News and the New York Times. <laughs> yes, I yes. would have been fired immediately. Well, so what did you do I, after this? What did you do after this arbitration? After you were fired? Well, my case is still ongoing, and since I started doing some press about my case, because about two months ago, there's a group of black parents who started a, an organization called Student Improvement Organization out of District 29, my district, and naming the schools, including mine, questioning what is going on that $28,000 is averaging being spent per student and that the grades in the math and reading um, are way below average. They were questioning what is going on in these schools. And so I was called because I was on the inside. I can tell you that the Department of Education has done everything they can to dismiss this case and try to get it, uh, you know, end it without exposing the truth. They refused to comply with my attorney's uh, discovery demands and the uh, the, uh important evidence we need, and they refuse to comply with a complete witness list. Because if I had to bring in a complete witness list, it would include some very public figures who were very involved in what was going on in my school. And um, it is ongoing right now, and they refuse to still comply. They have a technique of they keep switching attorneys so that they can go to court and get postponement on my case, which is now one of the longest, mm-hmm. if not the longest, in New York Supreme Court. Now, this is the case. Uh, your case, your original case against the school, or, it's, or is it a case um, for wrongful termination? 
It is the original case against the school. The wrongful termination has been added to mine because it's all basically retaliation, which with uh-huh. whistleblower laws are are illegal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, wow. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad, you know, that, uh, I mean, this at least is a way to get attention to um, what's going on in the schools. You know, what's interesting, though, is that this is something else that I have trouble understanding, except for the fact, um, you know, it, it's who has come into these various schools and has gotten the power. But, I mean, even private schools, you know, what's making the paper, especially like in the New York Post, um, you know, there have been articles about private schools in New York where critical race theory is taught and also um, things about... Uh, well, it's it's not just critical race theory, but it's also sex. It's also their new way of teaching sex. Like the woman, you must know about this, the woman who uh, they hired at these private schools to come in and teach kids how to masturbate and other um, sexual things. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, I could tell, I'm going to answer in two ways. First of all, in my case, it's very interesting because people came in and testified from the DOE and actually proved my case because I didn't even know this because I was a second grade teacher, but students in first grade were busy locking themselves in closets during lunch and uh, were busy touching themselves inappropriately. This was oh, wow. the norm, and this was, and this, there was no punishment, there, and the, actually... The people that were supposed to fill out the forms for child protective services never filled it out, deliberately tampered with evidence, which is against the law. And you talk about private schools. You see, this is the problem that most people don't understand. Many teachers in private schools are trained with public school teachers, so they have the same kind of training. Also, many private schools use the same textbooks. Textbooks are a big part of the issue as well as handouts. In 2016, I went to local officials and I actually helped write legislation about curriculum oversight that passed in the New York State Assembly. But interestingly enough, it was a Republican state senator who was a feared getting retaliation from the teachers' union that blocked it to get passed as New York law. But I knew about this, and I actually initiated something in 2016. Well, you know, yes, as as bad as, I mean, I I presume you would agree that critical race theory and the uh, similar things that were taught before that under different names um, are causing more racism in schools, first of all, and this whole um, plan, this whole, this whole, it's not just a plan, you know, what's, go, what's going on, teaching uh, kids that they shouldn't, um, it's not cool to be what they're, uh, the, the sex they were born with, it's not cool to just stay a boy, shouldn't necessarily stay a boy, and a girl shouldn't stay a boy, it doesn't mean anything what sex you were, what genitals you were born with. Um, you know, it's cooler to be trans or cooler to be non-binary or cooler to be all of these other things, anything but a boy or a girl. And, um, I mean, as a psychiatrist, all of this um, is really disturbing because we are destroying kids' minds. I mean, kids do not understand 
the, the manipulation that they have been put under, whether it's regarding race or whether it's, you know, race in terms of making white kids feel guilty for being white, white privilege and all of that, and black kids feeling like, uh, you know, that, oh, they must be inferior if, you know, all these things happen. I mean, it's just so wrong. And this, there wasn't that much um, racism, and there certainly wasn't, uh, you know, weren't all these confusing sexual issues when I was going to school, but even even um, after that, you know, I mean, it seems to have been sort of, it's been growing. You know, all of these um, strange ideas, basically, um, have been growing. So one of the things, I, and, and actually we're coming up to the end of this segment, but in the next segment, I'd like you to talk about how these ideas, these, these teaching these things, um, have grown, like how the people who, who want to teach these things have come into power, you know, over the years. It, it, didn't, it couldn't have just happened overnight. So I, I would like to understand how, um, how it got to be this much of a problem. Well, we're talking with my guest, uh, Cindy Gross, and we are talking today about she is a whistleblower, and she has been, and, and, and it's great, I didn't know that this case was still going on, but um, it is great that, uh, that you are a whistleblower, and today's show is called Whistle, Whistleblower Teacher Exposes Corruption in New York City Schools, so stay tuned for more. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about whistleblower teacher exposes corruption in New York City schools, and we have the whistleblower teacher with us. Cindy Gross, she's a former teacher in New York City, and she has been telling us about her experiences which um, and retaliation for trying to fix the schools um, and, and, you know, what happened to her because they don't want people like her around who's telling them uh, what's wrong with the schools. They just want to keep um, turning them into their, their little... Um, their little uh, like, um, uh, I'm trying to remember, churches, uh, cults, you know, they're turning kids into cult members with propaganda, with race theory, critical race theory, and sex uh, stories, <laughs> you know. And, of course, let me just, I want to make sure that this gets through, so I'll say it now. And, of course, the bottom line for all of this um, is to destroy the family so and destroy America, really, so that then uh, socialist agenda can come through. If you get kids confused about sex, confused about race, uh, increase racism, um, you know, you're, 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 destroying the, you're destroying families, you're destroying the young genera- youngest generations. And so that is destroying America, and that is the way to then come in, just like Animal Farm, that's the way to come in and bring your own agenda, the, the Biden um, Biden Obama agenda into the schools and into America. So let's take it from here, Cindy. You were gonna. I was asking you before the break about um, you know telling, taking us through the evolution, like how it went from uh, being you know a Norman Rockwell type environment, a very uh, oh, Americana kind of environment. Um, uh, yes, when I went to school. There were a few people whose parents were like it was a big, it was a big rumor, <laughs> it was a big story in school if you, if somebody's parents were getting divorced. There were that was a very that was more unusual, and now um, that is the, the most common thing. And yes, it is hurting kids, and it's and it's making kids more vulnerable to this propaganda. So so take us through the um, the the changes, how we got to this place. So I'm going to actually paraphrase a story told to me by Congressman Burgess Owens. And I think it really represented well. Um, In the 1960s, when uh, President Johnson brought about all the changes with the Civil Rights Movement and the rights of, you know, how things changed here. And before that, many... Black families were middle class. They were two, you know, a father and a mother. People had jobs, homes, and they worked. Instead, they developed a welfare system. They developed this idea of a single uh, parent home. And more and more, the idea of being dependent on their churches and on their schools and on their government. And that's one way that happened, especially in the black community. And the black community is the ones that are failing the most. As somebody who is an advisor on the National Diversity Coalition for Trump, 
I work very closely with a lot of the black Republican leadership. And I speak every day, even today with candidates that are going to run for Congress in 2022, young black um, women and men who don't want to continue that path of dependency and are proud to stand educated and independent and work. That idea of having self-respect and self-esteem is starting to come back slowly and surely. It's going to take time, but it will happen. And then, of course, you have the huge wave of immigration the past few years, and now with illegal immigration, who knows what's going to happen. Another wave that happened, you now have children in the schools that are the products of parents who were products of failing schools. So now you have two generations of it. It's like the blind leading the blind. If a parent can't teach uh, help with math homework, if the parent doesn't know accurate American history to help a student study for a test, how do you expect the student to pass? So it's, it's the, the, I guess, the uh, ladder of failure to more failure to more failure. Uh-huh. So that's, and that's really one. Then one other yes. thing I will add. Parents yes. did not take the time to learn about what's going on in schools. PTAs are desperate for parent involvement. In countries where education is exceeding America, there is something called parent accountability. But in America, because the Democrats in particular are afraid that they will lose votes of parents if they put parent accountability into place, it is something that cannot be discussed, but should be discussed. Yes, absolutely. Um, I know parents, it, it, it really is, uh, so many parents are just, uh, well, that was one good thing, though, about the, uh, one good thing about the pandemic, that when we had, I mean, of course it wasn't good that schools were closed. I want to be clear about that. But um, when kids were learning by Zoom, at least more parents got to find out what was going on, and that's how, you know, how they have become more horrified. Well, I'm just going to say something about um, what you said about the schools being closed. It wasn't the fact that schools were closed, because we know homeschooling around the world has many great success stories. But once again, during the pandemic, we learned about the failure of the public school and the millions of dollars wasted in the public school because they were so ill-equipped to help their students. If it was done in a productive way, we might have a different discussion. But unfortunately, the public schools are a failure, and the result of it is what is going on now. And don't be surprised if public schools do not reopen as we're talking about new variants uh, coming in and the idea now of masking again. Yes. Um, we were talking in the break about, um, I was asking you about Randy Weingarten, and um, yes, yeah, she has, I mean, I, I, I just, um, I, I, I still have trouble understanding her. Um, where, where her, well, where her politics are, I mean, clearly uh, where her, where her, um, what she's thinking, <laughs> what, what she could be thinking. I mean, first of all, well, first of all, a lot of teachers. I mean, the idea that, you know, it seemed like teachers 
uh, and I'm sure this is not all teachers, but um, the, a number of teachers didn't want schools to reopen because they were happy being at home. And um, but now Randy Weingarten said, I thought that she said that. She, well, first of all, what tell us about the emails? The emails resurfaced showing teachers' union boss. Randy Weingarten dismissing racism in New York schools, saying, in other words, there is no racism in New York schools. What, what is that about? Well, I described it before with the four-page email that went through the New York Department of Education calling white women docile and easy, and that she saw it all before, and uh, she was concerned about where we got that. But you're asking, you've asked me now multiple times to try to explain Randy Weingarten's motives. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, I'm not going into her brain. I can't, I can't <laughs> describe AOC's motives. But I can tell you what motivates people, money, power, and influence. And Randy Weingarten has all three of those. But I will tell you, even if a lot of teachers look, you know, a lot of teachers are very aware of what's been going on and has been going on for years, but they don't want to lose their salary. They don't want to lose their pensions. They don't want to lose their medical benefits. And they want that job security. So they look the other way. And everybody, you know, there are other teachers like myself who are whistleblowers. I know a whistleblower that was fired because... A black principal himself under investigation multiple times fired a white Jewish man telling him white men cannot teach little black boys. Sure. Can you imagine that in another, another area? But you asked about yeah. Randy. Randy. Randy knows about this, and it's not just in New York, and it's not just in L.A. It's not in Chicago. It's all the places where there's ties to teachers' unions, endorsed Democrats, and failing schools, mostly minority. Okay. Well, let me go back to this. So the teachers in, in public schools now um, are, are mostly minorities, Is that in New York at least. Is that what you're saying? I don't have the statistics, so I, I can't give you that, but many of them are. So, okay. So it is partly, um, it is partly in their self-interest to um, uh, to you know go along with the flow, go with the flow, whether it's racist or uh, um, you know, I mean this uh, CRT um, uh, or or certainly, I mean I, the sex comes into it as well. I mean, I guess what we're saying is what it seems like is um, that like I don't know. Randy Weingarten, but certainly maybe uh, a lot of the people are on this bandwagon, like the Bernie bandwagon, of wanting socialism themselves. I mean, in other words, it's Again, not necessarily power, like there are people... Influence. It all goes down to power and influence. They don't live the lives. You know, Bernie Sanders wants you to be on government uh, dependency, but he has a private jet. Right. Randy Weingarten well, has multiple houses and travels all over the place. Most of the students mm-hmm. in the public schools don't live Randy Weingarten's life. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I really, you know, I, I, it's, it's really sad that parents um, are waking up to this, and I myself, I'll admit that I, um, I did not realize the extent of this until really this year. 
uh, just how bad things have gotten, you know, mainly with um, information coming out about critical race theory and about the, these sex. I mean, this, this, I don't know which is worse, quite frankly, um, but they are both aimed at really confusing kids and um, depressing kids and making kids, um, dividing kids, and um, it is really bad. And it's really sad, though, that this has was not more... Uh, it did not become more obvious uh, sooner. You know, it's so hard now with a lot of these people so entrenched. Um, it's it's going to be harder now than it would have been 10 years ago to fix the system. But it has to be fixed. Well, look, you, you, well, you know, let me just... I actually believe... Let me just tell you... Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it was just one thing. You heard about the story of the girl in Minneapolis just the other day who um, was given an equity survey, they called it, about race and gender, and she was told, well, the whole, all the kids were told not to tell their parents about it. I'm not surprised. All right. Well, Hello? we only have a minute left, so what would you like to say? <laughs> uh, first of In all, if any of, your listen- if any of your listeners want to reach out, you are not alone. Teachers, parents, students, you could reach me through social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter. You can reach me through my website, Cindy's Corners. I do love to connect with people. I do love to help people out. I also have a group called Jewish Vote GOP Grassroots. We're working with multiple candidates running for Congress and Senate in 2022. And one of the uh, critical issues we are working on is fixing our Department of Education and our school system for our children, our parents, and our communities. Well, that's great. Let me just spell your name for people because it's a little unusual spelling. So if they want to Google you, it's Cindy Gross, C-I-N-D-Y. Gross is G-R-O-S-Z, G-R-O-S-Z. All right. Well, Cindy, thank you so much uh, telling us from the trenches what's really going on. And I, at least it's, it's, it's uh, hopeful to hear about that these candidates who are going to try to do something about it. So thank you very much. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.